Bienvenidos. Hello, hello. Ages. I'm Karen. I'm Marcy. And yes, we are pouring. Oh, that's that's a lot. That's a healthy pour right there. Oh, that's man. what we in the biz call healthy pour. I don't know if I need that much, but it's okay. Here we are. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Hope everyone is having a great and a safe weekend yes it's memorial day time to remember those we've lost visit and connect with the ones we still have amen trying to figure out my mic situation all right um well we got an exciting email like two minutes ago and we are approved on itunes Finally, um, it said in the next couple of days um, we can be searched. So we will obviously post that everywhere because that's super exciting. Yes, 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 yes. Um, we but... made it to the Big Apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I just thought of that. So good. Oh, my God. You're so funny. Oh, we redid the room. We did. Are we actually... It's much nicer now thanks to me i put in a ton of work karen just sat there and complained the whole time oh my god refused to help me it was literally like pulling teeth (laughs) with marcy i texted her and was like i have some ideas are you okay with me cleaning and we arranging the room and she texts back and goes ugh whatever (laughs) that was her response she was not thrilled it looks great though it looks really super great and we have lewis over on the books yeah our clown friend in the corner yeah i don't like it just feels like home yeah it's nice um oh man have you seen the show schitt's creek yes <gasps> like you've seen it all no um how many episodes in am i maybe just a few oh my god okay Five, so six? So many people have told me to watch it. It's pretty good. And I'm like, uh, like, you know, I hate when, like, I have ten people being like, oh, you should watch the show, and it makes me not want to watch it. Oh. Does that make sense, you know? Yeah, 100%. So, I think between, like, um, having to research all these stories for true crime, and then on top of it for my sociology class, we're also researching serial killers and everything and I needed just a break from true crime for a little bit Mm -hmm. so I'm in like season like three of Schitt's Creek oh see I don't think I finished season one oh my gosh it's so stupid but so funny did you know so uh what's the what's the dad's name Eugene Levy yes that's his real son yeah I didn't know that yeah and they both like wrote the show oh it's hilarious and I love the mom I'm Oh Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. So good. I know. I obviously she looks super familiar, so I like IMDB'd her. Oh, Home Alone. Yeah. Oh. Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah. Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Mine was Orange County. 
Oh, see, I didn't watch that. With Jack Black, and she was the drunk mom, which it's literally like Moira, her oh, character. Oh, wait, is Orange County, is that the one um, with Colin? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was thinking the show. Okay, yes, I've seen Orange County. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty funny, good. and she was just, like, drunk the whole time yep. in it. Yep. It was so good. But uh, I just want to tell everyone to go watch it, even though I hate when people do that to me. <laughs> Mine's The Office. After Ugh. reading about this stuff, I have to watch The Office. Ugh. It's the best. Gross. Shall we dive in? Who's first this week? I am, because it's past or present. I am. And mine's past. So my murder is pre-1985. Karen's is post. Correct. So, yeah. Correct. Get what you did. I mean, so that's what I did. I don't even know what day it is. It's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, mine is about murders that took place in Lewis and Clark. I mean, sorry, Lewiston, not Lewis and Clark. <laughs> Lewiston, Idaho. Are you familiar with Lewiston, Idaho? Yeah. Yeah. It's not too far from here. My brother went to school there. Lewis and Clark State College. Yes. Yeah. So it's near and dear to my heart, Lewiston. And they had a serial killer. Oh. Possibly two in oh. the late 70s, early 80s. Nice. Hold on to your pockets. I'm going to tell you about it. I got most of my information from an ID documentary called Cold Valley. Mm. It's on Hulu. If you haven't seen it, it's awesome. If you don't have Hulu, I recommend you find a friend that does. Yeah. (laughs) Karen is mine. (laughs) Too many people use my Hulu. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. (laughs) You're welcome. That'll be $50. Nice tray. A uh, documentary follows this female detective who is from a Soton. So a Soton has a population of about 1,300 people. Oh, okay. Yeah, but follows her. She's not giving up on these cold cases. She is pretty fucking badass. Her name is Detective Jackie Nichols. So we start off, the first happened in a Soton. It was a disappearance. Of a 12-year-old girl named Christina White. Aww. Mm-hmm. So young. April 28th, 1979. And at that time, a Soton had 1,000 people. So they really haven't grown too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, we played a Soton in school. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had no idea about this. So what happened, this was the first crime of this kind. And it's funny, the detective... She's been working on this case for 10 years, and she says, I'm working on it a lot on my own time because of my current caseload. I'm watching this with my husband, and we look at each other, and we're like, current caseload in a Soton? Is that much? Right. And he says, there's a lot of methed up problems. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm... Well, unfortunately, I mean, rural eastern Washington is beautiful, but, I mean, there's a lot of trailers and they're cooking. Oh, yeah. There was one by my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Probably still is. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I think it's gone. Uh, yeah, it got... They raided that shit. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's probably one down the street from your parents. Maybe even at my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? That'd explain a lot. <laughs> okay, let's back to the story. Christina, also called Chrissy. She was a tomboy, just a very happy child. And this is the... On the day of the disappearance, the family went to watch... The parade that happens that coincides with the fair. So her mom and her little sister, who is six at the time, they go watch the parade. And Christina says she wants to go to her friend's house 
Connie. And her mom's like, oh, yeah, okay. So she watches her walk up to the door. Christina waves goodbye, you know, goes into the house. And that was the last time her mom saw her. So Christina dealt with heat exhaustion issues. So she called her mom to say she wasn't feeling well. She had her heat exhaustion. And her mom told her to just sit down, have a drink of water, get a cold rag, and then ride her bike home. That was the last time her mom spoke to her. And the police of chief, the, the chief of police of Asotin, he knew this wasn't, he never thought of it as a runaway, but he also had only been on the job for six months and no training. What? He had never been to an academy. What? So I think it's probably one of the things where you just run for office. You have enough friends in town, you get voted on as chief of police. Is it like the guy <laughs> from Stranger Things where all of a sudden he's just yes. like the sheriff or I whatever? Think, I think so. It's that kind of. So the, her dad did a helicopter search, looked everywhere, and they couldn't find her. And the boyfriend of Connie Henderson's mom may have been at home at the time. Now, in this documentary, they have a suspect, a person of interest, but they cannot publicly say his name. Why? Because he has not been charged or officially named a suspect. He's just a quote-unquote person of interest. Oh, uh, he, now that they never say it, but I have a feeling this person was Connie's boyfriend. Oh. Perhaps because they say he was at the home when Christina disappeared hmm. later in the documentary. A couple weeks later, school papers were found outside of a Soton on a farm, just scattered by the side of the road. So I'm, someone was driving and just threw them out. That's what it looked like to me. Mm-hmm. Now the parade was probably happening on a Saturday. Right. And then she goes to her friend's house because they're going to go to the fair later. Why would you have your school papers? That part made no sense to me. Yeah. They're linking it with the killer. Well, they can't even say killer because her body was never found. Oh. But why would a girl have her school papers with her on a Saturday at a friend's house? Unless she took her backpack, but why would you take your backpack if you're going to go have fun? I mean, maybe that's... Like, her backpack she uses for everything? I don't know. I just thought it was weird. And that they never weird. talked if they talked to her teacher to see how old the school papers were mm. or anything like that. I just found that really interesting. The papers, they were good quality, so they were found probably pretty soon after they were thrown out of a car. Yeah. Okay, fast forwarding two years later. So it is now, let's see, 79, 82, 81. Yes. 81. Quick math. bum ba bum Let's see. A human leg and a torso are found on a river's edge, wrapped up in newspaper in plastic bags. This was Thursday, June 26, 1981. Or, no, I'm sorry. That's not... They were found in 81, but they found... They were the remains of Kristen David. And she was last seen Thursday, June 26. Okay. So she was going to do a three-hour bike ride from Lewiston to Moscow. Oh, wow. She's 22 years old. Bike riding, that's something I like to do. It's also near and dear to my heart. I actually did a 50-mile bike ride in Lewiston, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> props to me. I did a 50-mile bike ride. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Oh, shut up. You shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, she was a University of Moscow student. and She had a very close family with her mom and her sister, so she even called her mom to say she was going to ride her bike. And she'd be back in time for work. Her sister knew, too, that she was doing this bike ride, so they talked a lot. Okay. 
and her mom was instantly worried when she was did not show up for work. Mm-hmm. Police, though, were not convinced that she was missing. And her sister, I and mean, her sister's on here just, you know, tears. and Yeah. She says we were so close, and that was not Kristen. She would not show up, just not show up to work. But they're very frustrated because the police are saying it has to be 48 hours because of her age Ugh, before they'll that. start a search. Uh, the parents, the mom and the sister, they started doing their own search. And her mom thinks someone saw her riding and grabbed her. Which would be, but it was probably what happened because it's a pretty, not very heavily traveled area or road uh-huh. where she was riding her bike, that area in between Lewiston and Moscow. You know, you're pretty vulnerable too on your bike if someone just bumps into you, you're in the ditch. Right. And she said that her daughter definitely would not have gone voluntarily with someone in their car. July 3rd, her sister says, I had just, I had just given up hope that they were going to find her. July 4th, that's when they found the remains by the river. Oh, The torso wow. and the arm. And her sister said, I felt like the devil moved into Lewiston, and I was scared for everyone in that town. So a fisherman had found the garbage bags and called the police. The police say it was definitely used by someone with skill on how to dismember, so butcher or a hunter okay. that does their own butchering. Or a which, doctor. A doctor, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> a foot doctor? No. <laughs> but I think it was probably a hunter because that's like 90% of that population is going out and hunting. Yeah. That's a very outdoorsy area. FBI was called in, but they didn't really, they didn't find anything. No leads, no evidence, and didn't find the rest of the body. So weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe some of it was weighted down or all it was weighted down and somehow was that those parts removed and able to come ashore or they just got even i think even if they would have been washed downstream they would have shown up somewhere yeah so i don't know if he dumped some there drove farther and dumped some somewhere else hmm what do you think i don't know that's hard because i feel like it definitely would have turned up somewhere like it's not a big area and so police think that the little girl in a soat and Kristen david aren't related just because of the dismemberment, mm-hmm. it just seems weird that one body wouldn't be found, one would, or parts of one. So he they only s- found her torso and arm. Arm. Mm-hmm. That almost seems like someone planned that out, like almost like a tease, right? Ooh. And maybe, I don't know, burned the rest of it or something? yeah it's all speculation yeah as to where the rest of the her is okay we're going a year later 1982 september 12th lewiston's stepsisters christina nelson 21 and brandy miller 18 they went missing went missing missing (laughs) christina was reported missing by her boyfriend so this was weird too at christina's apartment there was a note left that said to her boyfriend going to the store and then going to go do laundry but there, there was no sign of struggle at the apartment but she left they both left their purses how do you go to the store without any money yeah and laundry too you need coins for operating the laundry machine right unless it's one that doesn't or maybe the store takes credit but that seemed really weird to me that i almost like it was planned like someone made her write it yeah that part raised questions to me. Well, and, like, I always take my purse everywhere I go. Right? So even if I am just going to the gas station, 
I'll take it with me. Especially in 1982, it's not like you can just grab your phone that has your, you know, your card on your Apple Pay or whatever. Like, right. So you did, would definitely need cash. Yes. So that was weird. Same night, Steve Purcell goes missing. His wallet and his car was left at his apartment. So he was dropped off by his girlfriend at the local civic theater, it's called. And he was going to go practice his clarinet. Oh. Also, he was going to go do laundry. Why? <laughs> Why is everyone doing laundry? And this laundry? was at midnight. He was dropped off at midnight. And all three of these people, they knew each other and they were involved with the Civic Theater. And Kristen David also had previously worked there. So they all have the theater link in common. Okay. Um, there was nothing left out of place at the theater except they found his clarinet on the orchestra cover. So he was definitely there. Uh, and so, and he was a janitor, and he had the okay to be in the Lewis and Civic Theater, and it's now going to be demolished. And he was over six foot, and wouldn't necessarily have been, I don't think, all that easy to subdue. Yeah. A six foot tall man. Also, though, he was described by friends as being soft-spoken, very sweet, wouldn't hurt a fly. And he played the clarinet, so then I'm like, maybe he would be easy to subdue. <laughs> <laughs> That's not very nice. Uh... And he was actually, maybe thought first thought was a runaway. Family, of course, didn't think so because he left his car and his wallet. Then he moves into being prime suspect of the case. Wait, the one who went missing? Mm-hmm. Steve, because you have these two girls and then you have a boy. It's like they don't, that doesn't match. So maybe he is the one that abducted the two girls. Hmm. His family, I mean, they all, like, no, friend, friends, that is not Steve. There are pictures of him, you know, camping. He just looked like a really sweet guy. Of course, that was my first thought, though. Especially March 19th, 1984, two bodies were found in Kendrick, Idaho, which is very close to Lewiston. It's almost like a, I don't know if you call it a town, but they call it a town. Mm -hmm. Probably kind of like Dixie is to us. Oh, uh, okay. You know, population, 20 people. <laughs> right. And they're all related. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the the big question million dollar question where is steve and the bodies had been badly decomposed so that must have been that the original site of where they were left the original dump site mm -hmm. two years ago so steve had three eyewitness accounts of him being there at the theater by a couple who knew him they saw him going in a patrolman and his girlfriend but he was never seen leaving and his girlfriend's the one that dropped him off around midnight. Now, when our detective Jackie goes to the Civic Theater to look around, she finds cords that were used for the curtains. Uh-huh. And there used to be a lot more in the theater than there is now just because it's not operating and the curtains have been taken down. Cords matching those were found at the scene where the bodies were found. So that's something that wasn't put together in 84. Right. So that's another tie linking them to the theater interesting now are you ready for the twist oh my god no I'm it just it's so interesting you've got to watch the documentary there was another man in the theater that night <gasps> uh-huh he saw and heard nothing he was working in the attic and he claims he fell through the plaster so there's rafters wood and then he stood in between that and fell through what a dumbass yeah well did you ever watch Christmas Vacation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clark Griswold, when yes. he falls through, yes. same thing, which is totally plausible. 
but he says he hurt himself and he went and laid down on the couch in the green room. Fell asleep. He heard the phone ring. Didn't answer. Now, Detective Jackie says he's adding in the phone ringing detail just in case his wife had called. Or maybe he talked to her and she said she tried to call. So that, so he's telling them, you know, he heard the phone ring, but he didn't answer it. So I, there, she thinks he's making that up, that he heard the phone ring. Right. But he just included it in his story to cover his ass. Mm-hmm. Detectives claim he would not look them in the eye. He fidgeted. He was nervous. They felt he was lying. Um, he was asked to take a polygraph. His response, he wants an attorney. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. And this is where they also added that he lived in the house where Christina was last seen, our 12-year-old, in Asotin. So in 1990, we're jumping ahead, law enforcement from Asotin and Lewiston, they come together because they have this link of the person of interest. Mm -hmm. Detective Jackie's theory is, because she remember how she had her bike, the bike has never been found either. Oh. Detective Jackie thinks that this man, person of interest at at the house where Christina was, says, you know what, I'll give you you and your bike a ride home. Mm. And that's, which I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Is how that would, he would get her and her bike to a place to be secluded. Because it turns out he owned another house that was vacant, that had a basement. Wait, the Steve guy? No. So this is the person of interest they won't name. The one oh. that was at the theater. Okay. The other person. So... Once they find out about this other man and talk to him, Steve I, is pretty much ruled out as a suspect at okay. that point because they can't find him, too. Okay. Mm. Uh, now this person of interest is all over town. Uh, everybody knows it's the best, worst-kept secret in Lewiston at this point. And there's all these rumors. He had this unfinished basement. He poured concrete in it shortly after Christina went missing, or the rumors. So police were all over it. They used cadaver dogs and ground-penetrating radar. They actually dug up the concrete. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, they went balls to the wall, and they didn't find anything. The suspect, this is creepy, he decides he wants to sell this house. So he calls a realtor. And she comes over, and he's giving her the tour, and he really wants to show her the basement. He just redid it. She has to see the basement. They're heading down there, and she turned, and he moved his hand behind his back. <gasps> mm-hmm. He moves it. She's trying to look, and finally sees he has, like, a wooden dowel in his hand. Like, a you know, something to clobber over the head with. Yeah. And, and he asks her, uh, who knows you're here? And she said, well, lots of people. So then he totally lost interest. Good. Interest in the tour, interest in the basement. Yeah. Smart for that girl to say that. Oh, no shit. Even if no one knows you're there. Always say someone does. <laughs> Though he also owned property where he was building a dome house. What's a so, dome house? You know, it's like the dome at community college. It's mm-hmm. roundish. So he's building a house like that. Oh. And his neighbors, because everybody knows what he's a person of interest for, are calling police and saying that uh, he's out there digging all night, doing all these weird things. So police follow up. They take jackhammers, dig everything up. They don't find anything. So at least in this case, the police are being very vigilant. Yeah. Right? They're listening to everyone. And a cousin of one of the of the girls, Christina Henderson, she still investigates on her own even now. So there's a Lewis and Clark serial killer Facebook page. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, where it has just all information about this person of interest. I mean, they I even would say too. his name. I would. Yeah, she's all over it. All right, 1996. We have near abduction story. This one gave me the willies. It's pretty good. The heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. It gave me the goosies. So her name is Crystal Glass Hicks. She's from Minnesota. She doesn't remember how old she was at the time, but she was fishing when camping with her family. She was a little bit away from her family on the road, just, you know, walking around, keeping herself occupied. And a pickup truck pulls up. And he's asking her for directions. <gasps> yeah, she's thinking it's weird. She doesn't really know what he's talking about or how to give him to directions. So she says, well, my family's just down by the bridge. And he says, okay, why don't you get in and I'll drive us down there. No. Mm-hmm. She had been hearing the stories about, maybe she's from a stone, so she knew about Christina. And so she said, uh, I'll just I'll just walk. And then he sees her dad come up out of the under the bridge area and he takes off. Oh, good. Yeah. Later, he comes back. So the only ones left camping are her cousin Daryl and his wife, Teresa. And they see the truck. And his wife says, hey, that's the same truck that Crystal told us about. And then they continue on with their campfire. Pretty soon, she sees a man pop up. His face, like behind a bush, staring at them. Ew! And she says, Daryl, Daryl, you know, look, look, look. And he pops down. Daryl doesn't see him. He does it again. Ew! I know. So then she goes. She tells him, and her husband, Daryl, gets his pistol. They pack up and get the fuck out of there. Good. It's not over. Ah! I know. <laughs> so they're at a street fair in Orofino. Orofino, recognize that? Yeah. Yeah. And they're with their friends, a, a couple, and one of them is a detective that was on the case. And there's a band playing. And Teresa goes, Daryl, that's the man that was staring at us playing the drums. <gasps> then they camp. And she tells the couple about it, and the detective goes, well, don't you know who he is? He's the person of interest <gasps> in the Lewiston murders. Ah! Ah! Oh, my. What? Are you kidding me? <gasps> That's so creepy. Yeah. So there's an interview with Bradley Garrett. He's an FBI profiler, retired. He says that, I mean, the suspect knew all of them, and he said it is unique for serial killers to kill people they're close to it could also be uh that's not true that he is the fbi profiler i was just okay. reading in my book about the and that's a myth is what they call it okay well it, yeah um and he also says it's odd for chris and david to be decapitated and the others weren't so he doesn't think it's the same killer he thinks there's two okay there was a man who escaped from a Washington, D.C. mental institution living and hiding out in the area for a long time. Convicted murderer. I don't want to tell you his name because he's going to be my next past one, so you're just going to have to wait. Oh, my God. I'm going <laughs> to Google it later. You are not. And he also says, you know, the body parts, they were very tightly and cap carefully wrapped. A butcher or a hunter. Now, there's an eyewitness to the Kristen case. And he states that he saw a brown van with an Oregon license, which the, our gentleman was hiding out in Oregon, mm -hmm. the escaped serial killer. And he said it looked like the van had hit her, and she was laying down in the gravel in the back, and so was her bike. And the man was walking back to her with a, quote, big-ass grin. Oh. The witness didn't stop. 
but he called paramedics and they called him back because it's a small town. They're like, hey, what the hell did you send us on a wild goose chase for? There's nothing on that road. Mm. So he feels really guilty. He says, you know, if I would have stopped, would she be alive? Yeah. Or would I also be in the back of that van? At least he would have tried. And this, the witness that he saw was shorter than their person of interest in the other murders. Mm. But now we know that eyewitness testimony is not very reliable. Mm-hmm. So the suspect in our other case, the person of interest that we're not talking about, he enjoyed playing characters and he never really let people know the real him. And there was a woman he was having an affair with while he was married and she committed suicide hmm. suspiciously. According to friends and family, she was very happy, never displayed suicidal thoughts. But, I mean, we also know people that are depressed can be very good at hiding it, mm-hmm. too. So, But he was the one that discovered her body. And when they first met, her name was Claudette. She was apparently repulsed by him. And then two years later, they're having an affair. So the lady talking about her said, that just shows how good he was. Right. If he was able to change her mind that that way. And she says, coincidence quits being coincidental. And that's a quote. That is lady is uh, Sandra Lee. She's a retired reporter from the Lewiston Morning Tribune. So she was covering these murders and missing people. So, and he inserted himself in the search for Christina White. He was the first one to volunteer. And detectives said that immediately raised their suspicion. You know, because he's not related to her. Right. And he wants to, you know, be in there. And the FBI profilers had a list. You know, they analyzed and said, these are the traits you need to look out for. This mm-hmm. is the type of person you're dealing with. Our person of interest hit 10 out of 15 of those checkboxes. Mm-hmm. Now there's a Red Baron pizza. That's across from the store where there are two girls, Brandy and that's also Christina, right? Yeah, two Christinas. So this is the 21-year-old Christina and Brandy, the stepsisters. The store they were going to was across the street from the Red Baron Pizza. And the suspect, person of interest, claimed he was at the Red Baron Pizza. So she's thinking he saw them Mm -hmm. and followed them and somehow convinced them to go to the theater with him. Because the theater was not on their route from their apartment to pizza. Got it. Or, I mean, sorry, not pizza. Store and laundry. So the store they were headed to was a Safeway. Not that it matters. He, she says maybe he offered them a ride. I don't know. And what I think happened is why Steve got involved is this gentleman took the girls to the theater, you know, or led them there somehow. And he wasn't expecting Steve to show up. And Steve interrupted oh. whatever was happening. Mm-hmm. Because the man, you know, Steve doesn't make sense. It's and like Steve the was the janitor, too, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe he was going in there. Yeah, he was going to clean. Clean. And practice his clarinet. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do that's, laundry. That's what I think. But, there, I mean, there wasn't any evidence at the theater, though. Right. There's no blood. I, I don't know. But the theater is something they all have in common. Something happened at the theater. We just don't know what. And in one of his interviews, so in the back of the theater, there's these huge windows and Detective Jackie says, these are perfect. I mean, a body would fit through here. You could load them in the back of a car. And there was the fence surrounding those windows, kind of like a garbage area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd be totally covered by those fences. No one would see what you're doing. 
And this suspect claims that he started out, he parked his car in the front, and then he moved it to the back to load his tools. So once again, he's covering his tracks in case someone saw him move his car. He beat police to it. He already says why he moved his car. Mm. Just all this stuff. That was six. Now I'm going on to seven. Girl, you need a notepad. <laughs> now, um, in 72, so our ses- the person of interest grew up in Chicago, and the cousin of the stepsisters, who has the Facebook page, mm-hmm. she traveled to Chicago to talk with police there because she found out there was a 17-year-old girl named Antoinette Anino. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This isn't the Chicago. This is 72 in San Jose, California. A 17-year-old girl was found in Santa Cruz on the beach, nude, dead. Uh, she They ruled her death a suicide or drowning by suicide. Hmm. Like she had jumped from the boardwalk. Hmm. She'd had a fight with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend and friend left her, came back to find her, and they didn't find her, and she was found later. Well, our person of interest lived in San Jose at the time, and she was taken to Willow Glen Mortuary, and he was caught breaking into the mortuary where she was the only person being held there with a camera. And he was claiming that he wanted to get in to see his girlfriend one last time. No record of them ever dating. She had another boyfriend. No record they knew each other. So, I mean. That's weird. Uh-huh. And he's claiming, oh, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. Now, they're thinking, you know, necrophiliac. He knew this young girl was there. Or, I mean, there's thought that maybe even he's the one that killed her. Yeah. I don't know. It was real to sui- ruled a suicide. And he was caught before they found out what his intention was. Huh. But just very coincidental. And then when he was growing up in Chicago, there was a young girl that went missing in his neighborhood who was kind of a latchkey kid. She had a single mom, and her mom went off to work, and the girl was going to go to the YMCA for classes. Mm-hmm. A half hour later, well... She never made it to the YMCA. Aww. Yep, she was found. And guess who was a counselor at the YMCA? Oh. Mm-hmm. So there's just, it's, he's right in the middle of all this. Go to the Facebook page if you want to know his name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. I can't tell you. I don't think I can anyways. So that's the Lewis and Clark. Lewis, I did it again. Damn it. Lewis and Clark. Lewiston is next to Clarkston, next to a Soton. Where all this took place. I highly recommend watching the documentary. It was very What was it called? Cold Valley. On Hulu. Mm -hmm. And you get to see this detective in action. And her husband is a prosecutor. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Goals. I know. It's pretty cool. That's crazy. I think that's one of them. Um, I told you I've been making a list of, like, Mm -hmm. past and present stories. I think that was on one of the lists. I didn't really read into it. I just, like, copied and pasted. Oh, it was so interesting. There really wasn't much information online. All the information I found was basically there was a small Wikipedia article and then the Facebook page. Yeah. Which actually has a timeline of where this person of interest spent all of his time. Mm hmm. He kind of had several marriages and it even puts down when he bought a boat. Oh my God. (laughs) Otis Tool, you know, Henry Lee Lucas's buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they claimed all those murders. He claimed he did this too, but that was ruled out well henry lee lucas also <laughs> claimed that he drove to oh he drove to china china yeah <laughs> um, 
Nice try, buddy. That was a confusing story. Yeah, there's a lot of different moving parts and people. I think that's what it is. But it's good. I, it, I try to do it justice. Keeps me intrigued. All right, let's take a take a quick break. Okay, Karen, tell me something horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I will, thanks. All right, so I got all of my information from the Seattle Times YouTube, and Light of Day Stories. Ooh. Yeah. Looks pretty reliable. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Let's make sure my mic is okay this time so everyone can hear me. All right. So this is um, about Hannah Grace Rose Williams. So Hannah Grace was adopted by Carrie and Larry Williams in 2008. Carrie and Larry. Carrie and Larry. Which one was which? Uh, which one was Carrie? Which one was Larry? <laughs> Carrie. Um, yeah, writing this out made me laugh because I. God, can That's you imagine? So cute, though. What if your husband's name was like, Larcy, Marcy, uh, and Larcy, Jarcy. Carrie and Larry's so cute. Oh. I think it's adorable. Well, they're not cute, and I hate them. So. Oh. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Tell me, tell me. So, Carrie and Larry adopted Hannah, um, okay, in 2008 from Ethiopia, and they also adopted a, a 10-year-old boy at the same time who was white. Hannah was black. Um, Hannah came to Washington from Ethiopia with ringworm, cold sores, parasites, and hepatitis B. Oh, but baby none girl. of that killed her. Strong. Very strong. So the Williams family, they live in Cedro Woolley. Have you heard of it? No. It's about 60 miles north of Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never heard of it either. Hannah and the brother were adopted through an international agency. When they got back to Washington, Carrie and Larry already had six biological children. What the fuck? Who ranged from ages 7 to 17. Uh, mm-hmm. And they want... Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So both um, children, Hannah and... I want to say his name was Emmanuel. Um, I think only one place disclosed his name. Okay. But I can't remember. We'll just say her brother. Yeah. They were treated very differently from the biological kids, of course. All the kids were homeschooled in a gated community um, on about 5.6 acres. Mm. They were living pretty nice. Sounds fabulous. Yeah. The detective who was on the case said the house was always cleaned and organized and definitely did not have the appearance that eight children lived in that house. I was going to say, I can't keep a house clean and organized with two children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine eight. No thanks. <sighs> I said that the two adopted kids were always treated differently. Um, for instance, both were disciplined for being rebellious, one family member told the investigators. Um, the punishments included eating outside, 
being away from the family and having cold leftovers topped with frozen frozen vegetables. Mm. Yum. Um, another person told investigators that Carrie locked up the food and only served the adopted kids small portions. Um, and times she would actually withhold food from them. So they just got these, they just adopted these poor children just to treat them like shit. Exactly. Pisses me off. Weird. And they're horrible humans who deserve to rot. The couple repeatedly denied them food, locked them in closet, and beat them with a long plastic tube. And they made her sleep out in a barn, shower outside with a garden hose. Oh. And... Um, during Christmas, they even made her sit outside while the whole family celebrated Christmas. Does that include her adopted brother? The, in the uh, I don't think for this part, but he was um, abused heavily. Oh, he was too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then was it all year long she had to shower outside with the garden hose? I don't know if they, I mean, have any evidence on that oh, or proof, okay, okay. you know. But it, when guests came over... Because uh, Carrie had some friends come over for Christmas. Then Hannah was allowed inside to sit at the table, but she was only allowed to eat bread. What? Yeah. It's horrible. Ugh. I wonder if the friends noticed. If they're like, why is she only eating bread? I know. But I can see how Carrie can say, oh, well, it's part of her dietary needs. Yeah. Or something. Or like, yeah, oh, she's just picky excuse. or mm-hmm. some bullshit. So, this um, is according to Carrie. In parentheses, I put a big eye roll because it's obviously not going to be the truth. So, Carrie says, on May 12th, 2011, uh, Hannah was outside since early afternoon and refused to come inside. At about 5 p.m., it started drizzling. A few hours later, still outside... Hannah started throwing herself down on the gravel, pavement, and grass behind the house, bloodying her hands and knees. She says, I decided I could not watch it anymore, so I went inside. She noted that Hannah did this a lot on purpose. Apparently, she would go outside and throw herself down on purpose all the time. So this is to make sense of her injuries. They're saying yes. she did it to herself. Well, her death. Yes. Uh, this is the day she dies. Sorry. I didn't get to that yet. Spoiler alert. Carrie says that Hannah wouldn't come inside for dinner. So Carrie sent three of her biological sons out at various points to give her swats on her bottom. Oh. And tell her to so exercise wrong. to keep warm. So wrong. And this is something Carrie admitted to it like it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is all, like, what she said during the trial. Um, She said that she brought Hannah dinner outside and dry clothes, but Hannah refused any of it. Of course she did. Which, no. If a child is cold and hungry, they are coming inside. Mm -hmm. They're not stupid. And they're more dramatic than adults, Uh, you know? Yeah. If they're hungry, they're going to go get food. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I think of your kids. They'll sneak to go get food. (laughs) Yeah, and they're not even hungry. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Carrie says that her and her oldest daughter would check on Hannah every five to ten minutes, 
which mm. none of this could have happened if she was being checked on every five to ten minutes. So at about midnight, Hannah was face down in the yard, naked and unmoving. Carrie said she covered Hannah with a sheet, had her sons help carry Hannah inside, and called 911. I listened to the 911 call. Oh, you did. Oh, my God. It was so disturbing just because it it sounded like – it just sounded so normal. Yeah. So she calls 911, and the dispatcher says, you know, what's your emergency? And she goes, well – I think my daughter just killed herself. <gasps> She's so put out by it. Yeah. Like, 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 it's such, like, a burden to her. She's like, I get, I think just killed herself. Like, fuck you, bitch. Oh. Um, Hannah lost nearly 30 pounds in the last two years of her life. Oh. And her uh, thin- thinness meant her body wasn't able to retain enough heat in that night in May according to the autopsy report. So Hannah died May 12th, 2011, when the temperature dropped down to 42 degrees. A report on her death concluded she died from um, a culmination of chronic starvation caused by her parents' food restriction, severe neglect, physical and emotional abuse, um, and stunning endangerment. She died weighing less than she had weighed when she was adopted. Oh, and she came from Ethiopia with ringworm and yep. parasites. And and she weighed more. Oh, like, how crazy is gosh. that? <sighs> how old was she again? She was 13, 13. when she died. Oh. Mm-hmm. So more than four months after her death, Carrie and Larry Williams were arrested and charged with homicide by abuse Good. in connection with the death of her adopted daughter. Um, prosecutors also charged them with assault of child in the first degree um, of their 10-year-old adopted son. So he testified. Good. Oh, wow. So the 10-year-old son that they adopted um, is deaf. And I watched oh. the, you know, the court trial and so he had a sign language mm-hmm, or interpreter inter- yep and it was so sad because he was saying how you know he watched it happen to her and then it would happen to him and like nope no one helped and he was just so sad about oh, it kids they just stood by right and or they actually were accomplices in the abuse we'll see well i mean she already made the older her boys go out and swat her bottom. I know. So that tells me they probably did a lot more than that. Exactly. So he, uh, the 10-year-old adopted boy, said he was hit with belts and plumbing tools and sprayed plumbing with tools. a water hose if he wet his pants. <sighs> um, so one of the biological sons did testify. He said that Carrie and Larry told all of the biological children that's not to tell authorities what's going on. Even just, like, where Hannah was sleeping and stuff. Like, Carrie made up this plan of what the kids to say. So they were to tell authorities and CPS that Hannah was sharing a room with the girls and blah, 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 mm-hmm. doing all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biological son said how all of the kids were abused 
but Hannah and the adopted brother obviously got it worse. And then eventually the biological children also had to punish the adopted children whenever Carrie told them to. Sick. So bad. Detective in the case found a copy of the book called To Train Up a Child, which teaches parents to um, essentially copy what the Bible has written on how to treat bad behavior and punishments, advocates putting children in cold water baths for toilet training or putting them outside in the cold weather, having them miss meals, sleep on floors punishment, etc., etc., the book was written by Michael and Debbie Pearl, um, and it's actually on Amazon to buy. You can buy this bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. It's a full-on book. When was it written? Do we know? I'm not sure. Um, Michael, come on, dude. It's so fuck? bad. And they were actually interviewed. I'm so, i got to look up and see what the reviews are at this point. Oh, no. One of the reviews is actually on Do you here. Have, okay. Yeah. I'm so curious. So, obviously, all the reviews are negative. Good. Um, and this book actually has come up in other child abuse cases. So How is it allowed to be published? I don't know. <gasps> So one review says, I can't believe Amazon.com is allowing this book to be sold on their website. Yeah, Amazon, what the hell? It encourages child abuse. This book teaches parents to treat their children worse than dogs. Um, Other sources, such as Carrie's friends, told investigators that Carrie always complained about Hannah, and she seemed a lot happier after Hannah was dead. Why even adopt in the first place unless this is your intent which is horrible or what i'm curious what carrie's because it sounds like she's probably the instigator with Mm -hmm. or i guess maybe her husband wanted to adopt and she was against it and so this was her way of lashing out you know and yeah i don't know that part i do know he's the one that wanted does there anything about him as far as being part of the abuse well yeah Okay. I don't know about, like, who wanted to adopt or anything, but the husband, Larry, testified, and he said how he knew, you know, the abuse was bad, but he let Carrie, you know, parent these children because he felt that she did such a great job with their biological kids, which they didn't get as much as abuse as these new kids did. But were they still abused? Yes. Mm. Yes. Well, that's what the... (laughs) Good son job. who Good job, Carrie. the son who testified said he, that they were Aww. and it's horrible because now ever since this case uh you can't adopt from ethiopia through an international agency anymore oh, so these assholes had to ruin it for everyone yeah but maybe the agency should be under fire as well because they should have been doing routine home checks right to make sure everything was going because i'm sure a caseworker would have noticed her gradually losing weight yeah and maybe even if someone would have come came and did follow-up appointments right you know she might have pulled them aside or they would have done a one-on-one interview with her to make you know like your mom's not in the room now tell us really are you really happy right because I, I don't know how adoptions go, but is that standard now? Do ad- adoption agencies actually do follow-up checks? I feel like they do for a certain time. Okay. But especially when you have, you know, this beautiful, like, Christian family who... Refill time. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah. Um, well, and I'm sure caseworkers are probably, I mean, as we know, overloaded already. Right. So if you have this family that seems perfect. Right. The house is always clean and beautiful. Yeah. and there's, there's your first red flag. Well, and it's all these kids. white, beautiful people who, you know, are Jesus lovers. And mm. you think it would be fine. But that's too bad that it had to be ruined for everyone. Hannah was described as a very pleasant young girl with a great personality and beautiful smile. It said she liked knitting and crocheting, reading, drawing, playing soccer, and riding her bicycle. Um, after How her much death, of that did she actually do though? That's just made up. They didn't let her do shit. After her death, uh, the couple's seven other kids were placed in foster care. Good. Mm-hmm. So Carrie Williams was sentenced to just 37, under 37 years by Judge Susan Cook, who said she deserved more time in prison. Um, yeah. Larry Williams received a sentence of nearly 28 years. Good. And uh, this year, in 2020, Hannah would have been 22 this year. Oh, just a baby. Yeah, so that's the story of the death of Hannah Grace Rose Williams. Uh, it's really sad and unfortunate. And she's a beautiful girl. So I'll post up a picture of her. Um, that reminds me of that case too, where the the dad dropped off the girls. He was super poor, so he dropped them off with a friend that said he was gonna pay her so many dollars a month. And she had a whole bunch of kids, and then she got her kids. They were really poor. She got her kids and neighborhood kids to beat up that girl. Do you remember that? That sounds familiar. They would kick her and call her a slut and a whore. And, yeah. And to the point of death. And then they they all got out of prison. The mom, too. That's horrible. I can't remember the name of that case, but it's, you know, it sounds pretty familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't understand why people <sighs> have kids or adopt kids. Like, Jesus. adopting a child is optional no one's forcing you to adopt a child mm-hmm. oh man yeah just because something looks great on the outside doesn't mean it's all that great on the inside exactly They're people. that was a downer yep what national day is it today so what's today monday may 25th oh it's only the 25th <laughs> Shit, no. i thought it was the 26th okay Obviously, it's Memorial Day. Um, it's also National Wine Day. Hello. So, cheers. winos out there, me included. <laughs> yep. Uh, tomorrow, May 26th, is National Paper Airplane Day. So, go so make... fun! Go make a paper airplane <gasps> with your kids. Tomorrow's supposed to be really nice here, too. It's supposed to be, like, almost 90 degrees. Send us pictures. Of your paper airplanes, if you make one. That would be really cool. Nah, don't do that. Oh, please do. <laughs> Just kidding. Please, we'll post on Instagram and Twitter. That's right. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Murder of Ages. Send us emails at murderofages at gmail.com. Yep. And also, we are on iTunes. So go like and subscribe and give us... Rate, review, subscribe. Reviews. I mean, I'm. I would tell you to give us good reviews. We can um, take it if you hate us. But if you don't like us, I might just cry give all night. it to us. Oh, we will not. I We're will. tougher than that. I'm not. Nobody's perfect. I am. Have you watched What We Do in the Shadows? Yes. The TV show. Oh no. With Colin Robinson. 
he's an energy vampire. So he's like the super monotone, boring vampire. And he sucks people ener- people's energy by boring them and bringing them down. So he's doing it online. Oh my god. And he's god. making people really mad. But then he gets sucked into it. And one person's like, you're probably in your mother's basement. And he goes, I'm in my own basement, dumbass. <laughs> funny oh my god that would be us their bad review god (laughs) you know what's funny is i was listening to my favorite murder on my way here and i mean i'm i'm far behind um but in this episode they were talking about that movie what we do in the shadows oh it's so good and it was so funny because they just went on about it like i remember i made you watch it yeah because it's definitely my kind of humor well i just didn't i was so confused by it there was some yeah. parts where I, like, laughed out loud. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I think Karen actually said that in the oh, podcast. so funny. Uh, I'm going to have to rewatch it. They have to rent it now. I don't know if it's on anything. Oh. It's fucking stupid. That's lame. And so now they have a TV show? Second season. Oh. They're on second season. Mm-hmm. FX. Very nice. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to close this out? To all your perverse, notorious waste... We'll meet you there.